to the Friday Five here on the Agent Survival Guide podcast. I'm Sarah Rupel, your host, and this is our list of five things you should know about this week. It was an active week for legislation related to our industry, so that's where we will start this week at number one. On Tuesday, the Senate passed the Trillion Dollar Bipartisan Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act in a 69-30 to 30 vote. The bill did have a few items removed from it to slim it down, so no Medicare expansion with this one, but we will come back to that. Two items worth noting. One, the drug rebate bill passed under the previous administration will be pushed back to 2023 rather than going into effect in 2022. The rule would require drug makers to stop giving rebates to insurance companies and pharmacy benefit managers and instead pass the savings directly to the consumer. Estimates from the Congressional Budget Office claimed that the new rule would increase the cost of Medicare premiums and add $170 billion to Medicare spending over the next 10 years. The savings of delaying the drug rebate rule? $51 billion, helping to offset the trillion-dollar price tag of the infrastructure bill. Also helping to offset the cost of the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, reintroducing a payment cut to all Medicare providers. Beginning in 2022, the new bill calls for a 2% payment cut, reenacting a temporary pause on sequestration amid the COVID-19 pandemic. The cuts would begin next year and run through 2031, adding $8 billion to the coffers to help pay for the infrastructure bill. Now that the bill has passed through the Senate, it will go back to the House for their stamp of approval. We'll be linking to several different write-ups on the infrastructure bill in our episode notes, so check those out for more info on that particular bill. And I said we would come back around to Medicare expansion. That is number two this week. Democrats and the Biden administration separated most of their party-line policy changes from the infrastructure bill and pushed them to their budget reconciliation bill. So that is where we catch up with Medicare expansion, among other insurance-related items. Early Wednesday morning, after a 14-hour voterama, the Senate emerged with a framework for a $3.5 trillion budget reconciliation bill. Included in that framework, adding dental, vision, and hearing coverage into original Medicare, lowering the eligibility age for Medicare from 65 to 60, and keeping the federal subsidies for health insurance that were put in place during the pandemic. NPR published a great piece with some background information on how other Medicare expansions took place, That is definitely worth a read, but we are not done with Medicare expansion just yet. It brings us nicely to number three on our list. Medicare expansion is a word we've heard bandied about more and more recently. But when you look at how often those changes have been made to the core Medicare program, well, it's just not something that happens very often. While there's been talk of lowering the age of eligibility for Medicare for a while now, and that is still on the table as of right now, it has not been ruled out. 
Another means of expanding Medicare that's come into focus this year, in particular, is adding dental vision and hearing coverage to original Medicare. Some of these benefits are included in select Medicare Advantage plans, but for the most part, beneficiaries seek out DVH coverage via ancillary products. And DVH coverage has been statistically shown to be a need in the Medicare population. We've mentioned that before here. ThinkAdvisor ran a great piece last week while I was on vacation, and it was compelling enough to make me pull it up and read it while on said vacation. But it's a debate between two industry experts, Robert Bloink and William H. Burns, on why Medicare shouldn't or should be expanded. They are the co-authors of American Lawyer Media Tax Facts, an industry resource, so they have a greater understanding of how this type of legislation works for all of those involved, not just beneficiaries. Since my job is to bring you the news rather than tell you how to feel about it, I will direct you to the episode notes where you can read it for yourself. Number four, let's talk about stress for a minute because it keeps on coming up in our lives no matter how hard we try to avoid it. And while there is good stress and bad stress, sometimes it's not always easy to distinguish between the two until you're a little more overwhelmed than you would like to be. Dr. Cynthia Acril is a certified stress mastery educator, and she had this to say about stress. Quote, if the worry is intrusive beyond the stressor, that's anxiety. If the sadness is a mood that you can't shift beyond the situation, that's depression. End quote. I love how succinctly she defines stress, anxiety, and depression all at one go, And we'll be linking to an article with some quick stress-relieving techniques. Something to read and utilize now if you need it, during AEP, or any of those moments in between those two timeframes that you might be feeling stressed out. And again, I've said it before, I'll say it again, if you need help, reach out to a professional. There is no shame in that whatsoever. Number five, back-to-school season is here. I've got family in the Midwest that is already back in school. We are almost at the two-week countdown here, so I'm thinking a lot about back to school right now, and not just about shopping, although I do need a new pair of sneakers. I'm thinking about the other supplies, healthy snacks, school lunches, and getting back into that school routine. Usually in the week leading up to school, we will start enforcing the weekday schedule of a regimented bedtime and wake-up time because it helps to soften that first week back from being such a shock. I haven't had to think about school lunches or snacks for the past year because of COVID. Going with the school lunch option was preferable for everyone involved, but that will be added to the mornings. So I've got links to a few different lists of fun school supplies, tech deals, healthy snack and lunch items, and even a list or two of the most important back-to-school items. One thing I can recommend, bubble or pop-it fidgets. They come on keychains now, so I've already picked up one for my daughter to put on her book bag. I'll probably order her a fidget cube, too, because she has been begging for one of those. 
But check out those lists, and if you're getting your kiddos or grandkids ready to go back to school, good luck, and I hope you find these lists helpful. Let me know if you find an instruction manual while you're out there shopping, too. Moving on to our bonus this week, it's about 80% health-related and 20% odd but cool news. Scientists at MIT have come up with an interesting solution to sealing wounds quickly. It's biologically inspired, a new glue for wounds that can close them up, forming a tight seal within 15 seconds of application. And the inspiration comes from barnacles and how they use a similar sticky substance to adhere themselves to the bottoms of boats and rocks. Scientists are always looking for innovative ways to stop bleeding and revolutionize wound care. This is a pretty unique but seemingly promising way of doing that, and I find it interesting that they're taking cues from nature to solve problems, kind of like how oyster farming can help save bay areas. Zhuan Heizhou is the senior author of the study. He is a professor of mechanical engineering and civil and environmental engineering at MIT. We will have a link to that press release in our notes, as well as a link to the Chesapeake Bay Oyster Restoration Initiative, so you can learn more about that as well. And that is all we've got for you this week. I hope you have a great weekend. Stay healthy and stay safe out there, and we will see you next week. The Agent Survival Guide podcast is a production of Ritter Insurance Marketing. This episode was written and produced by me, Sarah Rupel. Script editing by Brianna Lowe. Artwork by Nick Smith.